0: Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. Sorry this episode is coming late. If you'll remember, last weekend my voice was feeling a little froggy and I went on to have a nasty sinus infection, which now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing I didn't take the fifth day of my z pack okay, fix that. I woke up on Monday not feeling great, but my voice was still pretty much okay. And then on Tuesday, I had basically totally lost my voice. I was supposed to record Patreon that Wednesday night. I had to push it and I was like, we'll do it Thursday. On Thursday, I still had no voice. I had to miss. Um, I still, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I'm volunteering this year on the teen girl advocacy thing that I did last year for my internship. I'm just working with the group on a volunteer basis. I love it. I'm so glad to be back with my girls that my internship this year is pretty flexible, so I'm able to do it, but I had to cancel that. Like, I couldn't go to the meeting on Thursday, and so I wasn't able to record Patreon until Friday night, and I was worried that if I recorded Friday night and I woke up on Saturday and then recorded on Saturday, that I would be pushing my voice too much. So I decided I would just wait, I would record Sunday morning, upload after I record. And thankfully, my voice is feeling and sounding a lot better. It definitely still feels a little strained to speak. But <laughs> losing your voice and you're a podcaster really sucks. It really, really sucks. Anyway, hi. Um, if you want to hear more of me, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This week, I did an episode on Princesses of Long Island, which is like truly the most offensive show to ever be on TV. I loved it. It's so funny. It's so awful. It's so great. Uh, this upcoming week, I am not I think I'm going to do an episode on this documentary called Jacinta on Hulu. It's a sponsored episode. That's how my Patreon works. You can sponsor episodes. I also, though, in the near future, want to do an episode on that Jerry Falwell. Is that his name? I have a documentary on Hulu. I was looking this morning. got a ton of really good reviews, so I definitely want to talk about that. Um, another documentary that I want to watch is that Tree of Life documentary. I almost watched it last night, but then I decided I didn't watch, want to watch a sad movie about real people, so instead I watched it. <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. I was like, well, I want to be sad, but like not about real people. I want to be sad about fake people. And I was like, what about like, maybe we need to talk about Kevin. And then I like scrolled down two levels in Amazon and there it was. So it was a sign. uh, That movie is so wild. I think I'm going to reread the book because I read it. I don't know whenever the movie came out. So years ago, that movie is fucking crazy. (laughs) I know Ezra Miller is, like, officially the worst person, but it's still a good movie. Anyway, okay, so I had recorded last week on Saturday. I finished recording, I, like, putz around, I get online, and I realize I had missed that, like, a big cast member fight was going on. And honestly, I'm fine that I missed. I even was like, should I do another segment right now and like pop it on to the beginning of the episode because it hasn't gone out yet. So I can do that. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't really want to do that. Basically, the whole cast is fighting with Ashley for reasons I can't fully wrap my mind around or care about, honestly. Like, I'm getting really tired of the cast fighting stuff. I thought the Kale and Bree stuff was very funny and entertaining. But something about like the whole cast going after Ashley is not fun or entertaining. I actually find it really exhausting. To be honest, I don't find anybody in these fights likable. And there's nobody to root for. And not even nobody to root for. But like, truly, like, I don't I don't even care so why they're fighting, if that makes sense. So it's really hard for me to feel invested in this. But I was looking through some of the stuff. I guess there was like they're fighting about the reunion. I think Ashley wasn't allowed on stage at the reunion where they were doing the reunion for the upcoming family reunion boot camp, whatever fucking show they're calling it. And Ashley was not allowed on stage with the rest of them because she had started that fight at the show, which I don't know. I don't know. Ashley pointed out why is Amber still allowed to film and be on stage, which is true. I mean, not only does Amber have like an extensive history of domestic violence throughout the show, like in her personal life, but also like she's fought on stage. Why is Brie allowed? has fought on stage. Like, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I think there is a lot of hypocrisy. I think part of the issue, though, is that Ashley's, like, really unlikable. Ashley's really fucking mean. And by the way, Ashley's sister, Chris, and her mom are both, like, all up on Kanye's anti-Semitic conspiracy bullshit. In case, in case you are curious, they're all in on that. Pastor T is liking all those Kanye West posts, and Chris is reposting them, being like, no, this is true, though. The Jews control the world. So, you know, there's that just just for the record. I just want to let that be known. But Ashley, like, I just think she's very unlikable in that if the entire cast is like, we don't want to film with her. I guess MTV decides they don't want to film with her. I think Ashley and Cheyenne are fighting because Ashley had Mackenzie McKee on her podcast. But like Breeze also said really racist stuff. Like, it does, once you like start pulling apart the layers, it doesn't, none of their fights make any sense, basically. It's like, okay, so Cheyenne doesn't like Mackenzie because Mackenzie was racist. And that's a really good reason not to like Mackenzie. But these other girls have been racist too, right? Um, the, but the one big thing that came out of this is that Amber had called Ashley and Ashley recorded it and posted it. I did post one of them on my Instagram, feathers underscore pod. You can go. You can look at it. And <laughs> Oh, my God. Amber has lost her mind. Ashley is really good at winding people up and then stepping back and letting them be crazy, basically. In the past, she sometimes loses her cool and she's not able to do it when she is able to do it, she's really fucking good at it, and she definitely was able to do it this time. Amber is screaming on the top of her lungs, and Ashley's just like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amber threatens to mutilate Ashley, I believe is the word she used. Uh, Amber calls herself clinically deranged. She's just losing her mind screaming. It's so... (laughs) It's so funny. It's really Amber. I don't know. It's really bad to say because I know that she does this because she has mental health issues. But Amber losing her mind on camera is always kind of funny to me. It's scary, but also kind of funny. So yeah, the girls are fighting. I don't know. Caitlin was all in it. It's just like, I just don't love the inner cast fighting. This isn't the real housewives. They don't engage enough with one another for it to be entertaining. They're not fighting about anything worthwhile or interesting to me personally. So I say MTV should just put an end to the infighting, at least showing it or like letting them post it online. So the other big story of the week is we are still unpacking the Leah and Jalen breakup. Um, Leah posted a TikTok this week. Okay, first of all, Leah now has, like, some famous, t- famous, in quotes, TikTok friends. Kara actually, last week, like, sent me a video of these, this lesbian couple that had, like, 100,000 Instagram followers that had their friends, like, doing some challenge. And she's like, how does Leah m- know these people? And I was like, I honestly don't know, because Leah's in the video. And, pff- like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how Leah knows any of these people. They are in West Virginia, but Leah's life is a real mystery to me. But Leah did a version of the same challenge, which is I had my friends send me a video of what they would do if they could snatch a plate back from my ex, which is very a uh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> It's a weird premise, but basically the idea is, like, they're supposed to show how much they hate her ex by, like, grabbing his plate of food out of his hands. You kind of have to watch it. I think it's on her TikTok. You can go find it. But all of her friends are, like, mean-mugging the camera, and it's clear that everybody in her life is not happy with Jalen. Her friends were tweeting some stuff like, uh, happy Halloween, except to, and then they left, like, an underscore who wore a mask every day, we're assuming that this is Jalen. It came out this week that Jalen asked Leah to sign an NDA and basically said, I'll let you keep the house. I'll let you refinance the house into your name if you sign an NDA, not talking about the breakup. Now, it's weird, right? So apparently, Ashley's still saying Sources are still saying that Leah paid for the house with the down payment, but she couldn't get a loan in her name because of her $500,000 in unpaid taxes. I don't really know how she's going to be able to refinance the house into her name if that's the issue, but that's why she was paying and Jalen was, his name was on the deed. Okay. I I mean, I guess. Um, Why he's so scared of Leah talking there are a few speculations, right? One is, I mean, I think the biggest one that a lot of people guess, I don't really have an opinion on, is that Jalen was maybe caught talking to other men. Um, I think people have always speculated on Jalen's sexuality, just the way that he posts online, honestly, and the clothes that he wears is why people speculate on it. I, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, but like it would, it would make sense that he would be like, I don't want you to talk about this at all on camera versus if he was just like DMing with some chick, right? I also saw some speculation that it's possible that this is military related. I have had some people be like, no, but adultery is illegal in the military. And I'm like, but they weren't married. It's not adultery until you're married. Like there's no there's no such thing as adultery if you're not married to somebody. There's like obviously ethical ethical issues with cheating on your fiance or your girlfriend but it's not adultery until you're legally married to somebody so I don't think it's that but I saw some people point out it's possible one of the girls he was messaging was somebody who's below him in the military that could like get him in trouble or just somebody that in general like creates an issue with his security clearance, like just something in general that could get him in trouble, which I definitely think is possible. Um, I saw some blog posts without with really just sources and like no backup on this whatsoever. But saying that um, Leah gave Jalen the money for the down payment, but he didn't actually need down payment money because the house Like, he got the house with the VA loan, which is 0% down payment. But, like, for that, don't you still have to pay, like, realtor fees and money, like, closing costs? I don't know if I believe that, but apparently Leah is, like, suspicious of where the money went. Um, (laughs) Which, like, LOL, if that's true, Leah is so fucking stupid. She's so stupid. Oh, my God. Like, Leah, Carly, what are you doing? I think it's, it seems pretty clear that whatever happened is on Jalen, that Jalen has been very shady, that he mistreated Leah, that there's questions around money. I mean, look, I, like, I don't blame Leah for getting duped. Like, people get duped by partners all of the time. Like, that fucking sucks. I feel bad for her. That sucks. Like, it sucks he cheated. It sucks if he stole from her. It sucks if he, like, deceived her with this house in any way. I I really feel for her there. I, my point is just, like, stop letting these men move into your life a month after you meet them and, like, playing daddy to your daughters. Like, this could have all, well, maybe not because he, Like, they probably wouldn't be buying a house together if they hadn't been moving so fast. But, like, she can get deceived or fucked over by a guy, like, even if they move kind of slow. But, like, there's no reason that her daughter should be involved in this the way that they are. And it really sucks that she had them, like, fall in love with Jalen and get so close with Jalen only to find out that he wasn't who he said he was. And the reason that it, like, she finds out that he's not who he said he was is because they were only together for a year and, like, Once they were engaged, I guess his mask started falling. And that's why you need to, like, take things slow. She just moves way too fast with every guy, always. And even if, like, I don't, I just want to be clear. Like, I don't blame her for anything that happened. I don't blame her for getting with an asshole. Like, that, that, that happens, right? Like, like, he who has not been with an asshole casts the first stone, but the fact that she had him living with her children, what, four months after she met him is like, Leah, this is why you can't do that. Because if the worst thing that happened is that he stole from her or that he cheated on her, she's very lucky. She has vulnerable children that she had this man living with. I don't think he, I'm, I want to make it clear. I do not think Jalen did anything to those kids. I'm not saying that. But like, if you are moving a man that you have known for, three to four months in with your daughters, which is what she did because they started dating in August and he was living in West Virginia by November and he was at their house every single night is what she said. He had his own place, but they were living together. Just because you're, you have your own place doesn't mean that you're not living with somebody, right? So even even though he has his own place, they're not living together, they are living together. And you don't move someone in with your daughters, your three young daughters, children, I shouldn't say daughters, it's just daughters, because Leah's daughters, but in general, children, uh, three to four months into knowing them. Because shit like this happens. And she's, she's really lucky if this is the worst thing that could happen. I mean, I I definitely feel bad for her. But I think I feel worse for the kids that they are now once again like part of a Leah breakup right again 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 oh Leah girly just just date someone <laughs> like just date someone you don't need to live with them after two months you do not need to be engaged within a year although I don't think getting engaged within a year is crazy in your 30s I think I said this right like I think if you start dating someone in August and you guys get engaged in like July or August, that's not crazy at all. Like it's crazy if you're 21, but it's not crazy if you're in your 30s and you know what you want in life. But I think it is crazy if you have kids. You need to be going way slower than that. You should not be at the point where you're ready to like totally blend someone into your family at that point. And statistics tell us why, right? Like statistics let us know why i mean i guess in the long run it's good this happened before they got married it's good this happened before she had kids with him and i hope that she's learned some lessons and that the girls are emotionally okay because it's probably not easy if you move in with some man and you really like him and you think he's gonna be part of your life and he proposes to you as well as your mom and then he's not I decided this week that I was going to cover throwback episodes. I went to do the last episode of season four and then was like, "Mm, I don't really want to watch this. It was like not much was happening. Janelle was on heroin, but like that was kind of it. Nothing else was really going on. So I decided I would skip to season five, episode one and two. We'll go back to the new next chapter episodes next week, most likely. Uh, But I was like, let's just keep going on the throwbacks. I really like these first two episodes. They were fun to talk about. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to talk about season five, episodes one and two. Okay, so to set the scene, season five picks up basically a full year after season four ends. The show went off the air, I think. This is when OG was totally off the air. Yeah, it, it had to have been. And Janelle is like deeply addicted to heroin. And I think MTV just like wasn't totally sure where to go with the show. So much fucking happened in this year. First of all, Leah gets pregnant and has a baby. Addie is like two months old-ish when the show starts filming again. Janelle has met Cortland, married Cortland, been arrested twice with, well, I guess she was only arrested once. Courtland was arrested twice, uh has supposedly gotten pregnant twice with Courtland in this time, although they don't talk about the first time on the show. So in case you need a little reminder, uh in January, what year would that have been? 2014? I think they got married in like November, December 2013. So in the end of January that year, because it was around Valentine's Day, Janelle claimed that she and Cortland were pregnant. They get into a big fight. Uh, he hits her. He beats her. He gets arrested and Janelle flees and goes to see Gary Head. This is when she has her infamous <sighs> Kool-Aid miso, actually. It wasn't Kool-Aid. It was miso. Is miso still a thing? Remember miso? her miso miscarriage um she says that she was pregnant she was having a miscarriage later that's debated by her friends uh like the one one of the girls that she was with said that Janelle was never pregnant she made up the whole miscarriage i don't think Gary had ever said that she wasn't pregnant at all um i would have to double check that i personally believe that janelle was pregnant, but it wasn't dramatic enough. So she like staged those pictures. Uh, If like so much happens, basically Janelle says that she's having a miscarriage, has to be in the hospital. She's with Gary Head. But then like that same night, she goes out to a club wearing white jeans, (laughs) famously. So, you know, like, do do I believe that Janelle had a miscarriage or that she was ever pregnant? I'm not totally sure where I fall on this. The thing that kind of lends me to Janelle really was pregnant is that Cortland did plead guilty to assault on a pregnant woman. Now, if Janelle had never really been pregnant, why would his lawyer let him plead guilty to that? That doesn't make a ton of sense to me, and that's kind of always why I lean towards she really was pregnant, she had a miscarriage, and she just needed to make it more dramatic, but also like if Janelle totally made it up, I wouldn't be surprised either. This is the height of Janelle being fucking wild online. Uh, her and Cortland would do these u streams. Do you remember u stream? It was basically lives before we knew what TikTok lives were, uh, or Instagram lives or Facebook lives. Right, like it was kind of the first version of live streaming that we easily had access to. And her and Cortland would be so fucking high on the Ustream lives, like just nodding out. Um, they get back together after the miscarriage thing. Gary ends up getting Janelle and this other girl, Jay off the same Valentine's Day present, <laughs> which is what sends Janelle back to Cortland. Then they get arrested again, I believe around April of that year. They get Arrested again uh, for, like, domestic violence. There was, I think, 13 bags of heroin. I remember they were calling the bags bindles for some reason, which I found very weird because, at least in Philly, the way that we refer to it was, like, individual bags and 12 bags made a bundle. So I thought it was funny to see them called bindles, but there were, like, I think 13 bags of heroin in Janelle's car And Cortland eventually ends up taking the rap for like all of that. This is a really tumultuous time in Janelle's life, of course. And the season starts with her being pregnant and getting an abortion and meeting Nate now. For a long, long, long time, it was said that Nate went with her to the abortion clinic to get the abortion. I think that I don't believe that anymore especially rewatching these episodes. Um, I know they obviously like can film stuff to make shit look different on MTV, but I kind of think that she just said that like, because somebody was like, oh, Nate likes you, even though you had an abortion type of comment. And she was like, yeah, Nate was there for me for the abortion. So I'm not sure I actually believe that he actually went with her to get the abortion on their first date, which is what I believed for a long time. But Nate pops up essentially immediately after Cortland gets arrested. And yeah, Kale is five months pregnant. Her and Javier married. He's gotten back from boot camp. And Chelsea has, well, she's starting esthetician school. She's fully dropped out of hair school. Adam went to jail for a third DUI for an extended period of time. And he has Taylor like six months pregnant when he gets out. So that's kind of where everybody is. It's crazy that the show went off the year for full air and then came back. You know what? It came back as good as ever. (laughs) We still have like three good seasons left of this show, I would say. I've had some people ask me like if I have other plans for throwback type of stuff. And I have considered doing Teen Mom 3 just because I have not watched that since it originally came on and even that I was not watching it closely like Teen Mom 3 was never my bag. So I really only watched I don't even know if I watched every episode. I don't think I watched every episode of that show. Um, I was always like a real real loyal Teen Mom 2 head. Obviously I watched OG because it came first but I was never really that into Teen Mom 3. But I definitely think that's a good idea to do a Teen Mom 3 watch. There's also Teen Mom, Teen Mum UK Uh, which I know Princess really liked. I don't know if I'll ever go to Teen Mom. I'm not that interested in starting shows about teen pregnancy with people that I don't know. It's why like people are like, oh my God, are you watching Unexpected? And I was like, no, I don't care about that. It's not that I particularly care about teen pregnancy. (laughs) You know, I'm not like anything involving teen pregnancy I need to watch. I just like happen to be addicted to the show Teen Mom, unfortunately. And Teen Mom 3 has Brie and Mackenzie on it, which I think would be worth looking at, talking about, etc. So we'll see, you know, where the wind takes us. I'm curious if, I mean, I actually, I, I'm pretty sure next chapter is going to get another season. I don't think ratings matter very much at this point. They're doing Girls Night In right now. And they're still doing these Teen Mom family reunions. I think that they're going to keep... Keep this car going until the wheels fall off. So we'll see. I I don't think I'm going to run out of throwback content for quite a while. We can still do all of Teen Mom OG. I also can do, what, seasons one and two of Teen Mom 2 because I, did I start this with season three? I think I did, right? I started this with season three so I can go back out of order. Yeah. Is it weird to go out of order? Sure. Of course it is. Of course it is but I didn't make long-term choices when I decided to start at season three. I just made a choice of where I wanted to watch. (laughs) I was not thinking about the longevity of my podcast. I was thinking about myself in that exact moment. (laughs) Oh, So this is where we are when season five starts. Let's start with Chelsea. Let's go to Chelsea. So as I said, Chelsea has totally quit beauty school. Oh, I saw that Adam got arrested recently for unpaid child support for Aubrey, which is, I mean, I don't think he's paid child support for her for years and years and years. So I'm glad to see that he's facing some consequences from it. Taylor's pregnant, as I said, and Chelsea is starting esthetician school. She goes to talk to Randy to tell him about her new plan. And Randy's like, well, you know, as long as you're doing something, which I get Chelsea's like, can you believe like, did you even think I would ever go back? And he's like, well, I kind of knew you were done with beauty school when you quit for that month. I guess she went back for like a week and was like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I'm actually pretty shocked that she makes it through esthetician school. Honestly, that's really shocking to me now looking back that she stuck with it. But I mean, I guess good for her for doing that. She's uh. Talking to Randy about Adam and she says, Adam got out of jail and he goes, oh, he graduated. <laughs> Randy can be funny, you know, Randy can be funny when he wants to. Uh, then Chelsea says that she's not glad that it will be like they're talking about Taylor being pregnant. And she says, well, I don't want it to be Chelsea's sibling. Chelsea's sibling, Aubrey's sibling, which. uh, isn't great. (laughs) Here's the thing. When it comes to little Paisley, I think that Chelsea said a lot of things on camera that should not have been said on camera. Now, am I also the person that thinks like everything should be said on camera because this is a reality television show? Of course. And I think like a lot of the things that Chelsea feels about Paisley being born in her relationship with Aubrey are very understandable, but they sound fucking awful coming out of her mouth. Like, saying that you don't want it, referring to a baby, to be related to your daughter, like, isn't great. It isn't great. She, you know, always goes on to be like, well, Paisley's not really her sister. And I get it, right? Like, Chelsea's right. She's like, Aubrey's not going to see this kid very much because she doesn't spend time with Adam. And I think that she's totally right. And I mean, honestly, thank God Adam got that vasectomy. The best choice he ever made was to get that vasectomy. I'm sure she was thinking like, well, how many kids is he eventually going to have that she's going to have to like have a relationship with? I get that. And I also understand like Adam feels so disconnected from her and Aubrey. So the idea that now like a sibling is coming in, I personally think it has way less to do with Aubrey having a relationship with a sibling and way more to do with Chelsea's jealousy. And she even kind of says it like, I'm going to be really upset if he's there for Paisley in a way that he wasn't there for Aubrey. And once again, I think that's totally understandable that I get it's when she kind of talks about how she like, doesn't want to consider the baby a sibling to Aubrey that I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I do wonder If Aubrey and Paisley have seen each other, we know that legally they're no longer siblings because Paisley has been adopted, right? Like, if Paisley, okay, (laughs) in a world where Paisley, I think Paisley does have other siblings, but if Paisley had no other siblings and her parents died, would Aubrey not be her legal next of kin? because I I know I've had this question on this podcast before. I don't think she would right? It's a good question. I don't know. I feel like I've asked this question somebody's answered it, and I've been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I think it's no, but I'm also not totally sure but I I mean they're sisters, they are sisters, even though they don't have a relationship with their biological dad. I do think that they deserve to have a relationship with each other. And do I think it's fair that Chelsea and Taylor have to be the ones to facilitate that relationship? No, of course it's not fair. Of course it's not fair. But I I really do believe that once you have children, you have to do a lot of shit that's not fair for in the best interest of your child. And I do think even now after Paisley's been adopted, I do think it's in the best interest of Paisley and Aubrey to have a relationship with one another. And I personally, like, wouldn't be able to live with myself if at 25, my daughter is like, well, why didn't you like try and make it so that Paisley and I could have a relationship? And I was like, well, that was your dad's job. Like, I I don't know. I just think that it's not fair to the kids if the moms aren't trying. And that's, that's who we should center in this conversation, right? I always feel like when we have this conversation, we center Chelsea and Taylor and Adam and what Adam should be doing and how it's not fair to Taylor and it's not fair to Chelsea And we never center Aubrey and Paisley. And they're the ones that we should be concerned about. And they're the ones that we should be like, so what we, I say we, like I'm part of this, but they're the ones that should be considered here. And I don't think that Aubrey or that Taylor and Chelsea have done a great job throughout the years, keeping them like together, having a relationship. I know for a while they were seeing each other, like maybe once or twice a year I don't know. They live in the same area, you know, like it's hard. It's complicated. I get it. But I I do think that there could be more of an effort made so that the kids could have like a chance of having a sibling relationship. But also, I don't know. It's possible to grow up and be like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I think they both have very fulfilling home lives with their mothers and they're on Paisley's side. Her father and on Aubrey's side, her stepfather, they both have little siblings. Like, I I, I doubt they're, like, actively missing their sister relationship with one another. But I do wonder, like, as adults, what it will look like. But that's going to be the big theme of this season. It's crazy watching this in the way that... Adam is talking to her in the way that she interacts with Adam, knowing that she sleeps with Adam at some point this season. Because remember, it comes out that Chelsea slept with Adam while Taylor was pregnant. And like, it's just, I get it. Like, Adam is an abusive person. He's an abuser. And he and Chelsea were in an abusive relationship for a very long time. But at this point, Chelsea is like so disconnected from him and out of his grasp that it's like, I cannot believe that she went back to him even once. I think it was more than once. And wasn't it unprotected? The fact that she kept having unprotected sex with that man. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Okay, so then Chelsea's friend Megan pops up. Megan is not Megan number one, right? This is Megan number two. This is her second friend, Megan. Uh, She looks just like Chelsea. They have the same hair color. They wear the same clothes. They wear their hair the same exact way. They do their makeup the same way. It's truly, fully single single white female. I mean, really, they're probably just following the same exact trends, but they look crazy together. (laughs) But they're going to be going to esthetician school. Anytime I watch this stuff in the way that Chelsea's with her friends, I feel so confused. I mean, at this point, Chelsea's, I think they say in this episode that she's 22 or 23. Like, Chelsea's like, well, I need a friend to go with me to esthetician school. And it's like, why? I would never be like, do you want to go to esthetician school with me? Even at like 17 or 18, Chelsea's never been able to do anything on her own in a way that like I deeply cannot relate to and I've never been able to understand. Um, Chelsea's worried that Aubrey is going to ask about like Adam being there for the baby and not for her. Once again, I think that's a totally reasonable, like, worry. I think that anybody would feel that way. And she doesn't know, like, how she's supposed to tell Aubrey that Adam was in jail. And she's like, I mean, so she's going to grow up and I'm going to have to, like, explain to her that her dad was in jail. Like, that sucks. And I agree with her. And I think especially for Chelsea, who grew up, like, very privileged in a very traditional family with... Two parents that went to work and stayed out of trouble and didn't have substance abuse issues. And she, her life is just so different from Aubrey's at the time. I think Aubrey's life now is probably pretty similar to the one that she had. But like four year old Aubrey, the life that Chelsea had is so different. I can understand that she's like, I don't even know how I'm going to tell her that he went to jail. Cause I think like the idea of somebody going to jail was probably so out of Chelsea's orbit. And I say that because like I, think that I, Chelsea, and I grew up pretty similarly, like socioeconomically. And like, I know it was like very out of my orbit, even though my uncle went to prison. um, So it's not that I didn't know anybody who had been to jail. It's not like that. But like, I, I doubt that Chelsea knew a lot of people who went to jail or maybe anybody who ever went to jail, right? Like, it was probably like not a normal thing in her school for people's parents to be going to jail or like to know anybody incarcerated. So I bet that this is like totally out of the norm for Chelsea. And that's why Chelsea should have been going to therapy for a very long time, (laughs) like talking to specialists on how to talk to Aubrey about this stuff that she had absolutely zero experience with. Uh, So Chelsea and Adam go out to lunch to like talk. I will say when Adam walks in, Chelsea looks hyped. She is excited. I noticed that she's a Louis Vuitton bag. So like, you know we're in the Chelsea spending money era. Get those Louis Vuittons. People are always like Chelsea's good with her money. And then if you go on her Instagram and look, like she, she has like a hundred Louis Vuitton bags. <laughs> like Chelsea shops. Chelsea shops a lot. <laughs> People just don't care as much about her spending money. I and I honestly think it's because she grew up rich and because she's never struggled with money on the show. And so I think people just expect her to be spending money in a way that they don't expect the other moms to be spending money. Um, That's just kind of my thoughts and feelings on that. So Adam comes in. He sits down. uh, She's asking him about the baby. And she's like, well, have you talked to Aubrey about it? And he's like, well, no, not really yet. And Chelsea's like, I don't want you to get her hyped up about seeing the baby all of the time, which is a fair criticism. I'm actually think I'm being very fair to Chelsea in this episode because I I think that she's totally right about almost everything that happens around Adam and this baby and Aubrey. She's like, I don't want you telling Aubrey that you're going to be, she's going to be around that baby all the time because she's not because she doesn't see you. And Adam is like, oh, well, (laughs) because you don't let me see her. And this is where it kind of starts escalating to a fight. Chelsea's like, I don't keep her from you. And he's like, well, that's why I'm going to court. And Chelsea's like, you've been telling me that you're going to court for four years and you still haven't gone to court. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am going to. And she's like, you really think that a judge is like going to give you custody? And he's like, I'm not asking for custody. I'm asking for set visits. It's called legal visitation, you dumbass. Oh, oh, I really felt for Chelsea in that moment. When he called her a dumbass, I was like, oh, Chelsea, get up and leave. What do you know? Don't have this conversation. I do think, though, that this is around the time when Chelsea learned that she's it's not even worth talking to him or even trying to talk to him, which is good. It I do like watching like from season three to now Chelsea's progress that she's made with Adam. She's made a lot like you can tell that this is the end of Chelsea deciding that she's going to like give Adam the benefit of the doubt of a conversation and like let him meet up with her and talk about things. Like this, I'm not sure if this ever happens again after this. We'll see. I don't have a memory of it happening again, but that doesn't mean it didn't. And it's you can tell when he starts calling her a dumbass and talking about court that she's like, oh <laughs> so she goes from like looking excited from when he walks in to being like oh, this is nuts. You can, like, she literally starts to grab her purse. Like, she's going for her purse to be like, oh, I'm not doing this. And I was like, good for you, Chelsea. Good for you. And he's like, you won't be able to keep Aubrey away from me once the judge says that I can legally have her or you'll get in trouble. And I will say the one thing is like, yeah, they should have a visitation schedule, which they do get pretty soon after this. Like, But once again, like that's not on Chelsea. Like Adam could have had a visitation schedule for the last four years. All he had to do was go to court and ask for it. But he didn't do it and he doesn't want to do it. He just wants to be able to say that Chelsea is keeping Aubrey away from him. And she's like, you know what? You're drifting away from Aubrey and you're going to drift away from the baby. And he's like, how am I drifting away? I'm taking you to court. I want to be her parent. And Chelsea's like, for show. You want to do it for show? And he's like, you know what? Everything with me and Aubrey is your fault. This is all your fault. And Chelsea goes, "Okay, so what about when we were together and you didn't come around? What about then? I was keeping her from when we were together and you wouldn't come around. He's like, that was two years ago. People change. (laughs) He's like, I guess you've never made a mistake in your life, huh? You're so perfect. You've never made a mistake. And this is when she starts to stand up. And she's like, no, not when it comes to Aubrey and not being in her life. And I was like, good for you, Chelsea. She actually handled this whole conversation, I thought, very well. She was, I mean, I don't even know why they had this conversation. I don't know why she agreed to it or why. I would bet it was probably her idea, Uh, I don't know what she wanted to come of this conversation or what she thought would come out of this conversation, but in the end, she ends up handling it really well. She doesn't sit there and fight with him. As soon as it starts like, really escalate, she's like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm not going to do this. And good for her. Good for her. So she goes and talks to her mom, and her mom is like, what? when do you keep Aubrey from Adam? And she's like, I don't. And her mom's like, I thought you're always really good about letting Aubrey go with him. She's like, I am the only time I don't let him is when he asked me last minute, which is extremely fair. And her mom makes a point of like, Adam doesn't want regular visits with her. And that's very true. Okay. So in this second episode, it's all about her going to esthetician school uh, we do get a scene of Taylor and Adam talking and, oh, Taylor girly. I know she was young, but she must watch this in full body cringe. I can't. Well, she probably doesn't watch this because it's probably triggering, triggering as fuck because don't forget, Adam was very physically abusive towards Taylor. Um, I'm sure she has no desire to ever watch this. I think Taylor is, what, 19 or 20 in these episodes. She's very young I do not blame her for any of this, but watching her sit there as Adam is like, Chelsea's a bitch. Chelsea keeps Aubrey away from me. Taylor's like, well, are you excited to have the baby? Like, I know you've already done this once, but I'm so really excited. And Adam's like, it's going to be different this time because you're not crazy like Chelsea is. And so I'm going to be there. And I'm like, oh, Taylor. Oh, Taylor, girl. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. You never let a man call his ex-girlfriend crazy to you. Never let him do that. <laughs> That's a lesson. I think everybody who listens to this podcast is around my age, so you probably don't need to learn this lesson. But that is a lesson. Don't let men call their exes crazy to you because it's going to be like Adam. Adam Lind is calling Chelsea crazy, and Taylor is buying it. Oh, we see Chelsea start school. Poor Aubrey. She's trying to wake Aubrey up for her first day of pre-K. Aubrey, little Aubrey has never been good at waking up. I do wonder if Chelsea ever attempted to have any sort of schedule when she wasn't in school. My guess would be no. Um, You know, my guess would be that Aubrey has always slept in. And so she slept in because <laughs> why wouldn't she? What are you going to do? Wake up your kid up earlier? But I don't think that Aubrey and Chelsea practiced or got used to a schedule before school started in any way, shape or form. And it's very obvious. But Chelsea gets her up, finally gets her to school and her and Megan. Megan is there getting ready. I think Megan slept there. I Like I said, this doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like, I just, I cannot imagine being like, okay, you'll sleep over before the night, first night of school and you can get ready at my house and we'll take Aubrey to pre-K and then I'll drive us in. I don't know. Maybe Megan doesn't have a car. <laughs> like, maybe that's the reason. Oh, it's just so, it's so confusing. Everything about Chelsea and her friends has always confused me and like how she always gets these girls to be like at her house at 7am to do stuff. I'd be like I'll, I'll meet you there Like, <laughs> Feel free to get Aubrey up And get her to preschool I'll wait for you in the parking lot They have their first day uh, Her instructor's name is Karma I noticed that Her and Megan are sitting next to one another Looking identical Because they're like in matching black outfits I'm sure if it's a school uniform Their hair is exactly the same Their makeup is exactly the same It looks crazy But they're both really happy about it And they're excited They think it's going to go well So, Mazel Tov to Chelsea for doing something. All right, let's pop on over to Leah, who, as I said, Addie is born. Addie is here. She is a tiny little baby. And in season, or the first episode, Corey's getting married to Miranda. Miranda was there at the end of last season, right? I think she, I feel like she was. I definitely think she was. But Corey's getting married and... Leah says twice in this episode that she could have tried harder and the weird thing is she says it to both Corey and Jeremy (laughs) because Corey comes over to talk like to pick up the girls and it's her and Corey and they're talking about the wedding and Leah goes well you know like it worked out how it worked out I think it's both good we're both happy like could we have tried harder yeah we could have she's obsessed with that in these early seasons that her and Corey could have tried harder. Oh, gosh. Um, And then Leah, a little later, is talking to Jeremy. And he's like, so, you know, how do you feel about it? And she's like, well, look, could Corey and I have tried harder? Yeah. But I'm like, why are you saying that to your husband? <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> I will say, Leah seems very clear-eyed in this. This is the start of Leah's addiction, as she says. You know, I've never really totally believed her timeline. I've never totally believed her when she talks about her history of drug use. I personally think that she's been abusing drugs for quite a long time. And then this is when it ramps up into a full-blown, like, problem. I I don't know. I don't know. It's... I wish that I could, like, give Leah some truth serum Because I don't, I don't think what she would tell me would be bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I would judge her for any of it. I think I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You had a really abusive and traumatic childhood. Then you had twins early. One of them had a major medical, like, complexity issue. Like, yeah, you're using drugs. Okay. And now you got off them. That's cool. Like, I'm happy for you. I just, I don't get why she feels the need to hide her story the way that she does, but Whatever. I don't think Leah is very good at telling the truth. I just I don't think it comes very naturally to her, honestly. Um, But she's clear eyed here. According to her, she had the botched epidural in the hospital, sent her home with like a bunch of opioid scripts and she's on them from then on. I will say in the second episode, she starts to look a lot more disheveled. Like her hair isn't really brushed. She's looking really frustrated and I'm like, this is probably when she's starting to, like, get deep into it. In the second episode, they go to Orlando. Oh, Jeremy! a big, a big important part is that Jeremy has taken a couple of months off after Addie was born and he's about to go back to work. And Leah's, like, really upset about this. They go to Orlando for vacation. There's a scene of them also meeting the pool and they don't have Allie in a life jacket. And I, I don't get why I think. I was really like, get that girl in a life jacket. That's so dangerous. It was just Jeremy and Leah. So they had three kids or three kids to two adults. And Allie doesn't have the muscle strength to like hold herself up in the water. I know she does learn to swim, but like, just put her in a life jacket. Like, what are you doing? Oh, Leah, always making bad choices. Uh, they bring them to this little like play area. And Jeremy's, like, trying to make her climb up shit, and now he's crying. And, <sighs> oh, gosh. I just wish that Leah had, like, sought help from other parents who have children with muscular dystrophy early on and, like, looked to them for advice. Because you can tell that she's just, like, totally winging it. So, Dawn, Leah, and Jeremy, because Dawn comes on vacation with them are sitting and eating and they're talking about him going back to work. And Leah's like, it's dumb. It's dumb that he has to go to work. And Don's like, it's not dumb. He's going to make a living. And Leah's like, well, I I just don't want him to do this. I don't want him to do this. (sighs) She's like really worked up about this. We later get a scene of Jeremy and Leah just out like to dinner. I guess Don's with the girls. And once again, Leah's like, I don't think you should go to work. And Jeremy's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And Leah's like, you know, the only jobs aren't going on the pipeline. There are other jobs. And Jeremy's like, I, I mean, I'm paying the bills. I don't know what you want me to say. And she's like, you don't need to make $5,000 a month. Okay, you don't need to do that. I'm kind of guessing what they're not saying here is Leah makes a lot of money from teen mom in that, He could make money from Teen Mom. I wonder if that's what she's implying. Like, filming should be your job. Just film full time. But Jeremy's like, this is my job. There's no local jobs where I can make comparable amount of money. And Leah's like, well, everybody else seems to be okay. They work locally. They have a a house. They have a car. They pay for their stuff. And it's like, well, Leah, I think you know that's not true. You grew up with your family not being able to pay the bills and a lot of people you knew not being able to pay the bills. And I get it, right? Like Leah was never meant to have a life as a pipeliner's wife. She was never going to be good at it. Leah needs constant 24-7 attention. Being Leah's boyfriend is your full-time job. We've seen it with every single boyfriend that she's ever had. That's just how she is. And it was crazy of her to marry Jeremy in the first place. And look, Leah is young and she's immature. But we saw these same issues when she, like, tried to get back with Jeremy, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago, when she was, like, mad that he couldn't come on vacation to Hawaii and mad that he couldn't show up for certain stuff. Like, this is who Jeremy is. He's going to be on those pipelines. You married him knowing that he works for months away at a time. And I think one could argue, like, well, she didn't really fully understand until she had the baby and what it would be like to be alone But I don't think that's true because she was already, like, parenting the twins alone and saw how hard that was. So it's not like she just didn't have any idea how hard it would be to have a baby, you know? Like, she's already done that. Leah just makes bad choices and then wants to punish others. She's being, like, really fucking mean to Jeremy in this scene, actually. He's like, I really don't want to argue. And she's like, okay, shut up then. Just shut up. Like, she tells him over and over again to shut up and stop talking. And it's it's truly over nothing. Like, this is not a real fight that they're having because this is his job. <laughs> and it's been his job since before he got married. And I'm not saying, like, you can never ask your spouse to change jobs. But I think Leah's issue is that she's like, just get a new job. Figure it out. It's not like they're sitting down together as partners being like, this is unsustainable. What is a way that we can change our lives so that you don't have to work this job anymore? What are the possible jobs for you to get here? What would you be willing to do? Could we move? I mean, I guess they already live in a very low cost living area. But could we move somewhere that's maybe a little more expensive, but there are more jobs? Like they don't, she doesn't present any sort of compromise or options or discussion. It's just you need to quit your job. You need to stop doing this. Oh, Leah. That's kind of it for Leah in episodes one and two. She had a slow episodes one and two. I liked watch Leah and Jeremy fight though. (laughs) They were just so bad from each other from the jump that it's funny to watch them fight. I'm also, I mean, it sounds fucked up to say it. I'm looking forward, for lack of better words, to watching Leah's decline throughout this season and the next couple seasons. I'm definitely curious, like. How fast it happens, how quickly we notice it, if it pops up before the dying the baby's head episode, we'll see. Okay, so with Kale, as I said, she's four months pregnant and Javi is stationed in Delaware. They want to move, so they've asked the court to let her and Isaac, well, let Isaac, she can go wherever she wants, but to let Isaac move to Delaware. It's three hours away from where they live now, and she doesn't understand why Joe isn't just letting her do it. Uh, they have their baby shower. And I will say it was actually nice watching this. I mean, kind of sad in retrospect, but nice watching this that the first like two seasons that we watched of the show, right? Like when her and Joe are broken up is her like obsessing over the fact that that she doesn't have family, that Isaac isn't gonna want to be with her at her house because she doesn't have family, that she's all alone in this baby shower is like there are at least 50 people there. All of Javi's friends and family are there. I'm guessing Kale's friends are there too. Um, his like friends and cousins and people are giving speeches about how much they love Kale and how they love Isaac and they're so excited for a new baby. And you can just tell she like feels so supported. She's crying through the speeches, which Watching Kale be vulnerable with her happy feelings is quite a sight compared to how she is now. I think she's just like so hardened. I don't know if she would even let herself experience that publicly, like cry tears of joy and like gratitude publicly. I I don't really think so. Uh, is Kale pregnant now, guys? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm just waiting for a baby to pop up or not pop up. But watching her cry through these, I was like. I get why Kale married Javi. I don't think Kale was ever in love with Javi. I don't think Kale ever liked Javi that much, honestly. Like, not even in love, like, not just like, well, she loved him, but she wasn't necessarily, like, super in love with him. Like, I don't even think it was that. I think she could, at times, tolerate Javi. And I don't think it was anything to do with the military benefits. I think it was his family, honestly. And the fact that, like... As soon as she came around, she was like fully accepted. His mom and dad were so supportive and his sister and his cousins. And I can see how Kale, who was so desperate for that love and felt so alone and was like so obsessed with giving Isaac a family like that on her side. I can see why she was like, yeah, this is it. I don't need to look any further. It doesn't really matter if I don't love Javi. It doesn't really matter if I don't like Javi. This is what I want for my life. I love how much he loves Isaac. I love how much his family loves Isaac. I love his sister. I love his mom. I love his cousin. I love his friends. I get along with everybody so much. They have this great culture. It's so fun to be a part of it. Like, I I can see how you get wrapped up in that, honestly, especially somebody like Kale. So it's, it's sad to watch, honestly, in retrospect, because she's making such a bad choice, but I completely understand the reasons why she's making this choice which actually makes it more sad to me because I think that Kale really did want this to work and I think 21 year old Kale or however old she is is she only 20 in this season like she's so fucking young but I can see how this young Kale is like this is the answer and it's I can't imagine like how depressed and sad she was when she realized it wasn't the answer and it didn't actually fix anything inside of her and that while it was great to have that extended family network, it didn't mean that she would have a good or happy relationship. It didn't mean that she would be happy. It's just sad. Like, it's really sad, especially watching this, like, so close to those episodes where she's crying about the fact that Isaac won't have anybody on her side. Mm. Kale. it's These episodes are depressing for me to watch because I feel like, at this point in time that we're watching on TV, Kale could have really put an effort in and made some changes in her life that she didn't make. And it's sad to think like what her life could have looked like now if she stepped back and was like, I actually don't want to marry Javi and I don't want to get pregnant with him. So I shouldn't do these two things just because I like his family. And I actually should just like Go to therapy and work on building up my self esteem and work on like fixing my mental health issues because that's actually the problem. Isaac, not having like a large extended family on my side, is not the problem. Isaac is not going to not want to spend time with me because he doesn't have cousins here. Like, that's not a real rational fear. I need to like work on myself so that he wants to be with me because I'm a loving mom who he loves to spend time with. It's not about the other people. But she didn't have the self-awareness to learn that. And she ends up making a lot of mistakes. By the way, Lauren and Javier are definitely back together. Somebody took a picture of them at the World Series game. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lauren, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, my God. You know, last time that um, they had that big fight and Lauren got arrested. did did Lauren get arrested I can't remember but I remember Princess and I have doing an episode on it It was last summer like summer 2021 and being like Lauren is about to make some choices that she's not going to be able to take back because eventually these fights with Javi they're already escalating to this point and eventually like if they continue to escalate like she's going to get a domestic violence arrest that's going to stick to her there's going to be issues with child custody. There's going to be issues with getting jobs going forward. Like she needs to get out now and reevaluate and make changes so that she does not let this man drag her down for the rest of her life. And it seemed like she was doing that. And I was actually very proud of her and happy for her that she seemed like she was making some choices and not being online as much and getting away from Javi and staying out of the drama. So it's just to me, it's sad. I don't Think Lauren is some like particularly good person, but I do think it's extremely sad when someone seems to get away from an abusive relationship. I personally think Javi is the abuser in their relationship, but I don't know. Like it could just be a very toxic relationship. Like I don't know. My impression is that Javi is very abusive, right? Based on what we've seen from the way that he treated Kale, the way that he treated Bree, and like pressuring her, and now the way that he's treated Lauren. But when somebody, like, gets away from them for a significant amount of time and is able to, like, stabilize their life seemingly, to then go back is really hard to watch. But at the same time, they've possibly been together this whole time and we just didn't know, right? Like, they could have been sleeping together this whole time and we just didn't know. So, who really knows the truth? Okay, let's wrap it up with old Janelli, who lets us know that she was struggling with her sobriety. She used heroin with, with Kiefer. But she says she ended their relationship and got into a lot of counseling and got off drugs. Bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? It is so interesting how MTV had her spin this because it's so clear that they wanted to be like, yes, Janelle was on heroin. We know we talked about it on the show, but don't worry, guys. She's not on it anymore. Everything's okay. I wonder if they were worried about people being like, you're exploiting Janelle, like stop doing this. So they were like, say you've got counseling. What counseling did Janelle get? She's also doing this thing where she's like, I've been off heroin since November. What? What are you talking about? You and Cortland were doing heroin until the day he got arrested and you got arrested. What are you talking about? You are so fucked up live on Ustream. Girl, you're out of your fucking mind. Be fucking for real, Janelle. I love BFFR, by the way. Be fucking for real. Like, that has so seamlessly made its way into my vocabulary. <laughs> so Janelle is living with Barb and Jace, and she decides to go and walk with Taylor, Taylor Lewis, a.k.a. the mother of Cortland's first child. Taylor has her own long and storied past. She has been in and out of prison for the last... Few years. I actually haven't like checked on her in maybe a year or two, but for quite a while, she also had a heroin addiction. Uh, she was doing sex work to support it, would get arrested for it, has been arrested for it multiple times. They have a daughter named Jordan who they call Zha Also, Taylor was like, I think 16 and Cortland was in his mid 20s when they got pregnant. It's just really sad. Taylor grew up in foster care. Uh, Doesn't have a stable, didn't have a stable home life or family. So yeah, Taylor's a really sad figure to me. I hope that she's doing better. I could probably find out. She loves to post on Facebook, where she did. But oh, every, when she comes up on this, it's like, oh, sad, sad, sad reminder. So she lets us know that she's pregnant on this walk with Taylor. And also she says she relapsed one time when she met Cortland. And I'm like, girl, come on, come on. She says the famous line that it wouldn't be fair for her to have another baby when she doesn't have (laughs) Jace. Remember, she's pregnant again, what, five months after this? Right? She gets pregnant the fall of that year. Barb is going to take Janelle to get an abortion. And I just want to point out they have to drive like a significant distance to get this abortion pill to the fact that they'd go there the night before and sleep in a hotel. And this is in a like a, a Roe v. Wade existing world. They live in North Carolina, which is a red, well, it's like a purple state now. It's not one of the strictest and most restrictive states in the country. And still, Janelle had to drive multiple hours in order to get access to this abortion pill. We, It, it kind of frustrates me because I keep seeing people be like, oh, well, you know, when abortion was accessible or wasn't illegal, like X, Y, and Z didn't happen. It's like abortion hasn't been accessible to many people for ever, honestly, for almost ever. Uh, You know, like, first of all, that Medicaid can't cover abortions unless the state like specifically provides for it, that federal funds cannot go to cover abortions, that states like Texas and Mississippi Uh, only had one abortion clinic anyway for many years that they put these incredible like waiting periods in. I believe in Pennsylvania, you have to get a ultrasound, which is fucking bullshit. You have to get an ultrasound and then wait 24 hours before you're allowed to get your an abortion. Um, I could find the exact stat, but something like 65% of people in Pennsylvania live in a county that doesn't have an abortion provider. So you have to drive, stay the night, like it's it's so unaccessible abortion, and that's before the Supreme Court like made it legal to restrict abortion. Like that those were all considered like not to be undue burdens. And the fact that Janelle lived in a time where abortion was supposedly legal and so I had to drive hours away to get the pill is fucking crazy. It's just it's crazy. It it drives me. It drives me insane. And it it's really missing from a lot of the conversations around Dobbs and Roe v. Wade and the way that people are talking about inaccessible abortions currently and acting like this is a brand new thing that happened immediately after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And like the way that these sugar states were able to so quickly outlaw abortion is because abortion was already not accessible in their states. That That's how they were able to do it. It's not like they were able, to, they shut down a hundred clinics overnight, right? Like oh goodness gracious. You should listen to um This American Life did an episode I think called the Pink House. It's about an abortion clinic in Mississippi, the only one that was in Mississippi for a very long time that was talking about like how inaccessible abortions were before Dobbs, right? Like before Dobbs even happened. Okay, there's my abortion rant for this episode. Uh, Janelle says that she couldn't afford to be on birth control because of the heroin and the heroin was the only thing she cared about. And I'm like, but I thought you hadn't been doing heroin since November and it's the spring. So why weren't you on birth control? (laughs) Oh, gosh. She tells her mom that her priorities going forward are going to school, finding a place to live and getting a career, which is great. But of course, we know that like those don't happen. Uh, Jace is also obsessed with saying the word fuck. I kind of forgot about this, but this is where it starts when Jace says fuck over and over and over again. Uh, Janelle says that, like, she is going to, she's screaming that Barb needs to get Jace to stop saying it, and then she starts screaming that she's going to put soap in Jace's mouth and gets up and gets the soap and goes like she's going to put it in Jace's mouth, and I'm like, oh my god, poor Jace. Oh, poor, poor, poor Jace. Um, she gets the abortion, she gets the pills and she says she's feeling aggravated about it. And her mom is like, well, this is why you need to be on birth control, blah, blah, blah. They're fighting. And Janelle has the nerve to say, I need a break from you and Jace. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) Barbara's like, I could have let you go alone to get that pill. You never even said thank you. And Jill's like, I would say thank you if you weren't such a bitch to me. Oh, goodness gracious. In the second episode, she talks to Dustin about her charges from this arrest. Like I said, the heroin was found in her car. Cortland is currently in jail. She is not. She's on like a, you know, she's on bond and Dustin is basically like, we're really not going to lo- know for quite a while. But if you are facing this felony charge, you could be going to prison for up to two years. We're not looking at a twenty or forty days in jail the way that we were before. Janelle like keeps saying over and over again, and Barbara keeps saying it that if she gets a felony charge, her life will be ruined. Which like, her life would be significantly harder. Having a felony on your record makes life so hard for getting a job, for getting an apartment. I'm not denying that, but. The way they're talking about it, it's like Janelle's going to die if she gets this felony. I mean, thank God for Dustin, right? He gets her off that. Uh, Barb is like, you should go. You should get a part-time job and then you can meet people. And Janelle goes, I'm already meeting people. And Barbara's like, oh, you met a guy? She goes, yeah, on a dating app. And Barbara's like, a dating app? This is pre Tinder, I believe Uh, she met Nate on Plenty of Fish or Tinder was like just popping up, but she met Nate on Plenty of Fish. She says a dating app that Taylor showed her, which, you know, don't take advice from Taylor. (laughs) Be careful taking advice from Taylor. Uh, Barbara's like, you're still married. And Janelle's like, we're separated. Because in the state of North Carolina, you have to be separated for a full year before you get divorced. It's such horseshit. Those laws are so fucking antiquated. They're so crazy. Let people get divorced as soon as they want to get divorced. Making somebody wait a year, it makes no fucking sense. It's that every state should be getting rid of those laws. And they are pretty common. Like, they, there are multiple states in which there is a significant waiting period before you can get a divorce. So she tells her mom that she met this guy, and his name is Nathan, and he plays football, and he's going to college, and he works at a resort. Oh, and he's an underwear model. <laughs> Oh Barbara's like oh my god you're gonna get murdered and Janelle's like we're gonna go mini golfing and Barbara's like don't cheat you always cheat at mini golfing. (laughs) Janelle and Tori go out to get pedicures this is the first time we're seeing Tori. Janelle says she got 200 messages on the dating app within the first day and it's like yeah girl because you're famous." And Tori's like, you really don't think you're moving too fast? And Janelle goes, well, you know, ever since I was 14, I've always had a boyfriend. I can't be alone. I've never been single. Like, it's just how it is. She goes, you know, like, maybe if I had Jace, it would be easier because somebody would always be around. And I'm like, you have Jace right now. (laughs) You're living with Jace full time. What are you talking about, Janelle? This is how, like, I know Janelle. I mean, obviously, we all know Janelle's full shit. But when she says stuff like that, where she's like, well, if I just had Jace, like, things would be different. And it's like, you have Jace. What are you talking about? You have 24-7 access to Jace right now, and you can't fucking stand him. You have no desire to be around him. Oh, gosh. is like, well, you know, I think... The reason that you always have these boyfriends is because your mom is really fucking mean to you and screams at you and always has the whole time I've known you. And you go and find these boyfriends so that you can, like, cry on their shoulder and feel love from them. And I'm like, okay, Tori. (laughs) Tori with some understanding. And Janelle goes, yeah, and probably because I don't have, like, a dad. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's like, they're like, yeah. And then, like, just completely move on. There's no follow-up. I'm like, so should I do something about that? (laughs) The episode ends with Janelle meeting Nate. They're, like, really hitting it off. They're talking about, like, the craziest things they've done. And Janelle was like, well, once I ran away to New Jersey and, like, didn't tell anyone. And it was, like, crazy. But, you know, that's because I was on drugs. (laughs) And Nate was like, well, what drugs were you on? And she's like, heroin. But like, I've been sober for seven months now. And Nate's like, well, that's good because I had an ex who was addicted to drugs. And she was like crazy. And I don't want you to be like that. And she's like, no, I know. That'd be like so nuts. Like, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and thus, the start of Janelle and Nathan, their beautiful, lovely, healthy relationship starts from here And I cannot wait to watch it play out. We'll be getting the abortion leftovers episode soon. Anyway, I love you guys. I hope everybody has a lovely week. Go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains if you want to hear more from me. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.